Well, a new study out of the University of Waterloo making some headlines on this Thursday. Researchers say that CBD might, just might, offer some protection when it comes to COVID. And for more on this, let's welcome in Robin Duncan with the University of Waterloo, who joins us now here on Global News Radio. Robin, good afternoon. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks so much for having me, Jeff. Really appreciate it. This is really, really interesting stuff. Uh, before we get to the finding, though, uh, CBD, that's really come to prominence in particularly the last few years. For those that really aren't familiar with it, what exactly is CBD? Right. So CBD stands for cannabidiol, and it's it's a cannabinoid. It's a chemical compound that's found in the cannabis plant, but it tends to be found at higher levels in cannabis plants that are bred for, you know, use as hemp. So it tends to be found in uh, types of those plants that aren't used for intoxicating effects. So it tends to be quite low in uh, types of those plants that are, you know, made for uh, use in recreational activities, shall we say, as marijuana. So it's it's a non-intoxicating compound that's uh, found in hemp. Okay. Is that because it does not have THC in it, uh, CBD or CBD uh, oil? Is it extracted out or does it just not have that THC compound? Yeah, that's so within the cannabis plant, there's over a hundred different bioactive compounds. These are molecules that all do, you know, different things with relation to our health and, and they can be active in cells. So THC is one that we know an awful lot about and it's, uh, you know, of interest because it causes an intoxicating effect. Um, so it's used recreationally. CBD was originally thought to be completely inactive because it didn't seem to do anything when people took it. And yet we know now that if you take it, it can have effects on epilepsy. It's prescribed in the United States um, for the treatment of epilepsy. Um, it has uh, beneficial effects with anxiety. Um, and uh, the Arthritis Society has recommendations around it. A lot of people use it themselves to try to treat conditions that are associated with inflammation. So it does seem to be active. It just doesn't cause intoxication. Right. I was like going to say, I've seen, sorry, I've seen more and more athletes uh, been using this. As a matter of fact, on the PGA Tour, there's a couple that are sponsored by CBD that they wear them on their uh, golf shirts, uh, the, the CBD uh, logo. And apparently it's quite popular, particularly in that sport when it comes to things, you're right, like anxiety and joint pain and joint inflammation. People use it to recover faster from exercise. And what's funny is that I don't think that it's restricted, um, uh, according to WADA, the, the World Anti-Doping Association, but THC is. Right. Okay. Now tell us the connection between CBD and COVID, uh, what you found. Uh, tell us a bit about your work there at the University of Waterloo. Right. So we've just released uh, a study. It's a, it's a preprint. It's under review with the journal Life Sciences right now. Um, so we are actually adding data to it. But, um, you know, to, to take the jargon out of it, what we have found is, is that when you, well, maybe let me backtrack. What we started out studying wasn't CBD. We started out wanting to know what some of the genes in the, the um, genome of the virus that causes COVID, what some of those did. So we put them into cells and we were expecting the cells to respond and they you know, didn't really have a very big response. When cells see viral genes, they should start to activate a system that chops them up, you know, kind of goes chop, chop, chop. And that should hopefully cause the cell to die. And if that happens, 
that cell is no longer being used by the virus as, you know, really a mini viral factory to make more virus that can spread in the body. And that's eventually what makes you sick. It's not the initial exposure to, you know, a hundred virus particles. It's the millions and billions that you end up producing. So if you could shut that down with a top, top, top system and get rid of the cells, get rid of the factories that are making that virus, that would be great. We look to see whether or not when we put these viral genes into cells, if that was activated and it wasn't, uh, but when we put CBD in with those uh, viral genes, we got that activation. It, it went way up and it was associated with an increase in cell death. And that, you know, that sounds bad, but many of our cells die in a day and we replace them. That's how we stay healthy is that regeneration. Right. Um, and we were seeing that when we added in the CBD, we weren't seeing it before. And it's, you know, it was kind of surprising, but it, in a way, not really, because that's been one of the problems with this virus. We just don't mount a very good initial response to it. And that's part of why it spread so far. We've ended up with a pandemic. So that piece was that that piece was unexpected. We were actually thinking that CBD would somehow protect the cells, you know, help them to be healthy. But in fact, it was actually helping them to sense that there was a virus, you know, a, a viral genetic material present and to respond to it appropriately. Um, so that was the first exciting thing. But what's almost more exciting was what we found in our control cells. We had these cells. We didn't put viral genes into them. And yet um, when we added CBD to them, just CBD added alone without the viral genes, that chop, chop, chop system that gets rid of viruses, we saw it go up in expression. We got we got more of it. It's like the cell was planning for an invasion, but it wasn't associated with cell death. So the cells were healthy. They, they seemed healthy. They were growing normally. We weren't getting um, that kind of cell death uh, event that we had when we had a, a viral protein exposure, but they were better ready. It's as though they were anticipating that there, there may be an invasion and they were better ready to respond to it. So mm. we, we got really excited about that because that's more generalizable. And we had a hope after that, that, that really this, this might lead to something um, that, that's broader. That has implications right. for not just this virus, but for others. Can I ask you who come up with the idea to try CBD and get this chop, chop, chop effect? Uh, I mean, it's just uh, it amazes me. It blows my mind that uh, somebody made this uh, connection and it actually worked. Right. So the funny thing is we were already working on CBD and I have to credit my aunt for this because she was taking it for osteoporosis or sorry, for um, osteoarthritis. So she had that inflammatory condition. It was really helping her. And we were already studying endocannabinoids. So the, the kind of sort of mimics that the body makes. And, and I said, well, here's an exocannabinoid. Let's put it in and see what happens. We'd found some exciting repair results pre, prior to the pandemic. We're still working on that. We're really excited about that work as well. But when this, this came up, we really didn't think that we were going to get this antiviral effect. We thought we were going to help cells to, to survive a viral onslaught, not respond to it, you know, and, and, and do something that sort of, you know, looks like it would, could help prevent a spread of the virus once it's in the body or even shut down that initial viral exposure. And uh, so that's why science takes so long. I mean, this is over a year in, in, you know, in the making, it would probably take us a month to reproduce the entire thing. And it took a year to do it because we we didn't know the answers. Um, but when we started to see the cells dying, we went, well, that's unexpected. And we started to look, um, you know, at some of the systems that the cell uses for defense. And we were just so surprised to see how right. active they really were. So, well, I guess thank you. They were. 
Yeah, yeah, thank you, Auntie. Yes, thank you. Uh, g- give your aunt all of our thanks. And I only got about less than 30 seconds here, but where does this go next? Does it have to be peer-reviewed? Uh, what happens with this? Yeah, it's it's currently under peer review. It got actually a very good uh, review with the journal. So we're we're adding studies to it that they've asked for. Um, they didn't want any changes to the initial data. So that's why we've released it on BioArchives. Um, and then, yeah, hopefully we are able to take this forward. We're, we're talking to the Public Health Agency of Canada, the, the BSL Level 4 lab. Uh, we, you know, it, it's, it's not cemented, but hopefully we'll be able to do some work with them and actually test this out in mice. And then, you know, obviously we hope that this will one day um, enter into clinical trials. All right. Some very exciting stuff. Robin, thank you so much both for your time and, of course, your uh, great work. And we'll be watching with interest. Thank you so much, Steph. It's been very exciting. All right. Robin Duncan is an associate professor at the University of Waterloo here on Global News Radio. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance (laughs) recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.